Welcome to The Pew, the place where everyday guys talk about everyday things in front of the one person who can do something about it, Jesus Christ. Now here's your host, just a guy in the pew, John Edwards. Welcome back to The Pew, everybody. I'm your host, John Edwards, and I'm excited this week to be welcoming back my good friend, co-host and cohort, Victor Adams, to The Pew across the table from me this week. Thank you, man. You know, uh, it's been a while. Yeah. I think it's been um, a few weeks. Yeah, so we had Damon yeah. in, and then we had David step in, and, right. and uh, you know, it's all, you've always got hard shoes to fill, man, and yeah, people well, are always that's, like... That's a lie, but go ahead. No, it's yes. not a lie. People <laughs> ask me all the time, they're like, why hasn't Victor been on there? What's going on with Victor? And obviously, you know, you've shared before, you've yeah. got stuff going on with... Christy's mother, who's elderly and needs you know round the clock care, and you've had a new job, yeah. and you've children and things like that. So it's been a combination of like learning to, you know, we all love our parents, but then we know that our generation is kind of like well, well, we're still taking care of kids, but then we may be also taking care of our parents in some right. form, um, depending on how how old they are in, in the sense of you know birth order, I guess you could say. Yeah. So it's one of those things where we're we're kind of that generation where we're bookending a lot of caring needs right now so uh and most of y'all probably know already if y'all listen but you know chrissy's mom lives with us she's 92 and his copd and a fall risk and onset dementia so her brain's kind of a little swiss cheese sometimes so sometimes she's cognizant of what's going on and other times she confuses people who they are and sometimes a little hallucinations where there's other people in the house she's wondering who they are so uh and us trying to you know, navigate that conversation yeah. delicately. So, so, anyways, um, you know, it's it's that that thing as we're all facing towards taking care of our parents uh, in a loving way, but also nurturing way, but also finding ourselves be to be able to be cared and nurtured our own way. You know, yeah, too, sure. in a sense where we, we balance that workload and that stress load from being you know taking care of our own kids and our work, but also accommodating helping our elderly aging parents. Um, and and find a way that we're also able to take care of our own mental health as well as our own physical yeah. health too. So, yeah. yeah, and I'm sure there's a lot of people out there listening that can they can understand that right mm-hmm. that are going through it probably right now, especially with Alzheimer's and dementia. It seems like that's running more rampant than than it has before. Yeah. You know, it seems like all the time you're hearing about that and. You know, I know how hard it has been for you, so I'm, I'm just grateful and thankful for you here. And folks, continue to lift up Victor and his family in prayer uh, each and every week. We love when you can be here, but understand when you can't too. So, just want you to know that. Yeah. I really am glad you're back in here, man. David was a handful, and I didn't enjoy being. <laughs> I'm just kidding. <laughs> David obviously was great. He's a little yeah. nervous his first time, but I mean, there's there's nothing like the real thing, baby. Right. And that's no that's no knock on David. It's for just right. you and I've been doing this since the well, beginning. As, as the, those early to our show, Ground Control. That's what was our nickname. Yeah, for David. Was, so yeah. so that's who that was. Yeah, yeah, it was overdue for him to be on, and and, right. and he was glad to be here. But yeah, I'm ready to jump into the show here in a few minutes. Mm-hmm. I'm excited. There's been a topic that been on my heart that I wanted to share particularly with you and, and talk about with you. So I'm glad that you're here today so we can do that. Right, because you're telling me where you're going now, you're just finding this is an, a topic in all parishes that you're visiting. Yeah, yeah. Is, is this is, yeah, a topic? And, yeah. yeah, it is. And we're going to jump into it in just a second. But first, I just want to say 
Uh, to those of you out there that Victor just alluded to all the parishes we're in, for those of you out there that are wanting a men's group, you know, David and I talked on the last episode about true friendship, real friendship, and what that looks like. And, and all of us, I think, long for that. Even if you don't realize it yet, you know there's something missing. And there's so many people out there today walking isolated alone and don't have true friendship. Well, one of the best ways to find that is in your parish. But a lot of parishes don't have those groups, and therefore that's what the Lord has called us to do, is to go into those parishes and to witness uh, what a men's group can do and to help men rise up and believe that they can be the ones to, to build places of great friendship and, and authenticity and, and brotherhood, and especially with, with Jesus, right, first and foremost, but with each other. Right? That's, it's a huge long of our heart you know, to not have friendship and to not have people we can just be real with. And that's what we're trying to build is places where you can be real, where you can grow in your faith, where you can grow in a relationship with other men in Jesus Christ, the most important thing, and become the men that you're called to be through worship, service, fellowship, and formation. So if you're looking to do that in your parish, then then reach out to us at justagownthepew.com. Again, that's just a guy on the pew.com. You can go to a link at the top right there that says men's ministry, or you can go to our events and book me page. And actually on the home page, the entire page is about starting a men's group. But you can go there and fill out that form and we'll talk to you. We'll consult with you and see the best approach to come to your area. We'll come and do the mission. We'll train your men ahead of time. And when we leave, as long as we're working the, the steps that we have seen work in parishes across this country, you will have an amazing, vibrant ministry to men that will change lives in your parish. So if you're interested in that, again, don't just sit around waiting for somebody else, right? If, if you feel this call, if this is your desire, take it to your pastor. Or if you're a priest and you keep thinking about this thing, then make the decision today to move forward and call us, right? A deacon, anybody. Because we've got to take that step before we can fix what's going on in parishes and in the country. Men are, are, are have abdicated their faith and they're missing. And if we want to change that, we have to build field hospitals and places in our church where men can come and be received and they're allowed to be who they are, and then it's a place where Jesus can heal them and move them into the people he's always desired them to be. So again, you can do that at justagownthepew.com. Reach out to us. We'll come help. Uh, for those of you who are interested in our pilgrimage to Italy, we still have some spots left. They keep going by the day. We moved up two spots today, so I think we've got about 13 left right now. So if you're wanting to go with us, it's June 3rd to the 14th. It's filling up fast. It's going to be a great trip. You can go to justagownthepew.com. Uh, to find out more about it and all the Eucharistic miracles that we're going to visit in Italy, all the places we're going to go and the saints we will see, and the footsteps we'll walk in of theirs. Um, but you can go to our website at justagownthepew.com or to our great travel partner, Select International Travel's website. Google my name and you can find it there. But anyway, thank you for all of you who support us, who listen to us every week, who watch the YouTube channel. If you haven't subscribed to that yet, please go there and subscribe to it. You can watch Victor and I. We're not the best looking things to look at, we know. But it's fun to watch it and, and get a different view on the show than just the audio version. So... Check that out at our YouTube channel by searching justaguyinthepew.com. So thank you for listening to that, as you do every week, folks. Well, Victor, you, you alluded to the episode. I'm really excited about this because it's one we haven't talked about in a while, but yet it's one of the greatest issues for men in the church, and it's confession. I love sometimes to go back and look at our original episodes, which were coming out of our bag of sins, if you will. Oh, yeah, yeah. We're coming from our... Um, our men's group and, mm-hmm. and the way men were writing down what they actually struggled with. I don't always like to go back and listen to those because it was our first episodes. We're stumbling and stammering and hey, who knows, maybe we're not any better thinking, today. I know, thinking that we were like, you know, already professionals. You yeah, know? there's a lot of yeah. us and a lot of likes and a lot yeah. of rights and they probably still are. But uh, but it is fun to go back and look at the titles and mm-hmm. listen to some of the things. And, and even though 
you know, we haven't we we were just starting out learning the faith the way that we really should have over the years. Mm-hmm. Um, the Lord just you can find some wisdom in those things, right? And and just the Holy Spirit showing up, and certainly what I'm hoping He's doing today. But you know, confession, man, it just it still blows my, me away in one regard, in one regard it doesn't. Just how many men are struggling with this and don't go to confession. Um, you know, I, everywhere I go, whether it's a men's conference, a mission, you know, you start talking about confession, especially if it's just men. And you could see people squirming, right? You could see them moving around. You could see the uncomfortableness of it because the devil shows up and starts convicting them of everything they've ever done wrong, mm-hmm. right? And they're ashamed of it. They're disgusted by it. And and it continues to be a point of struggle. And, and you know, I always want to be um, candid here and, and open and vulnerable about my own life. You know, I, I don't ever want people to think I'm making the show about me, but I want people to realize, like, I, I'm not afraid to talk about my own struggles with things, mm-hmm. too. And, you know, here recently I've been struggling with some of the same sins. And, you know, some of it has to do with the way that I, I haven't been the best husband to Angela. Some of it's the choices I'm making, you know, with vices and things like that. But, you know, it, it's confession at one point in my life was just like, I'm going to go anytime I mess up, right? But then we go into those other times of our lives where it's just like, I, I don't want to go. I, I, I mean, I was just in there a week ago. Or I was just in there a couple of days ago, and I've already done the same thing again. Mm-hmm. And I, the only person I really feel comfortable with is this priest, and I'm just going to go to him. But then I'm, I'm afraid he's going to be disgusted with me, and he's just going to say, look, you're not changing anything, so quit coming. Right? And we all have those, those thoughts, which a priest would never do. Right, and we struggle with it. I mean, Saint John uh, Christian even says, "You know, be ashamed when you sin, not when you repent." Mm-hmm. But that's what the devil does. He he tries to convince you, "Oh, it's okay, go ahead and sin. God right. will forgive you." But then, when it comes time when you fall into that sin, and immediately you feel the weight of that disgust and that disappointment in yourself, and and in that that um, that loss of hope. Then as you think of confession, then the devil shows back up and goes, oh, no, no, no. Like for you to go in there, you're going to be gross and the priest is going to be disgusted with you. And you know he remembers it. They say they don't, but they do. And he starts speaking all these lies in your head. And then before you know it, you're not going to confession anymore and you develop this deep fear of it. And then you're removing yourself from from being in a state of grace, right? Even if it's venial sins over time, those start to pile up. And as we get used to those venial sins and we become accustomed to it, they don't become a big deal anymore. Mm-hmm. And then we become more open to larger sin and larger sin and, and maybe even eventually mortal sin, which you go, well, I won't kill anybody. Well, cheating on your wife's a moral sin too, right? Adultery or not. Yeah, adultery is a, is mm-hmm. a, is a moral sin. And that happens in many ways. So... It's a huge thing that so many guys are dealing with, and I think we just—I wanted to talk about it, man, and get in here and share our deal with it, our struggle, our perspective on it. When we're good with it, when we're bad, and also what the church says about it, and just some things that the Lord has been moving, you know, with us here lately with confession. Right. Well, you know, we talked about our past. We're both converts, and I think for for both, like what I say is is you know, from my past being a Presbyterian, you know, obviously when I knew I'd, I've done something inappropriate or in a sin as i tried to, to define it what what is appropriate <laughs> sin and what is an appropriate sin because that's uh, my my skew on things when i was younger um but when i knew i did something wrong or i hurt somebody or i did damage to, to a relationship or or i did something i knew i wasn't supposed to be doing uh yes there was some kind of a guilt that came over me and but yet it was like I went to a quiet place to pray and ask for forgiveness. Now that probably does work in some frame. Sure. You know, I'm not I'm not dismissing that all for our, our non-Catholic brothers and sisters, but but for me when I became Catholic, and as you know, you're convert, you're you're supposed to take like a lifetime 
uh, of delineation of sins your whole life mm-hmm. when you become a convert, and that's that's that can be pretty intense because you're going, oh my gosh, I have to go back to. Okay, I stole uh, the Hot Wheel car from Jimmy when I was six years old. Uh, <laughs> that I probably like it was true. I probably took home, yeah, I probably took <laughs> Sorry, home s- five uh, st- you know Star Wars figures from Chris, my neighbor, when I shouldn't have d- done that and said it was mine. You know, so all these things and things you 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 knew when you're young that wasn't right. And so when I went to confession first time as as a becoming Catholic, um, it was an intense moment, and I think a lot of us kind of like. Uh, even though we were born in, in the Catholic faith, identify that that it is yes, con- going to confession is a major thing. It's a major act of love, mm-hmm. and I think we we have to kind of identify that as a love action rather than a punitive action. Yeah. And when you address it, you change your mind, saying, "I'm going to the to my God who loves me very much," and by coming to Him and asking for forgiveness and being open about what I've done open of what I think, open of what I've said, and and all the things that I've probably done to hurt my spouse, my children, my friendships, my work relationships, anything that I've done probably to harm myself as a person of faith or a person of Christ, um, I need to recalibrate that. Sure. I need to ask for forgiveness. Um, and, and I think that's why for, for many Catholics, going to confession because you're open totally. Yeah. There's no, there's no hiding or... Or you know, pulling anything back, you're going. I'm here. Well, hopefully, right. Yeah. Hopefully, yeah. But I mean, when you go in there, you 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 know you're there for the the purpose of reason of just like saying everything. Sure. And, and saying I I am a complete mess when I try to take over my life. Sure. Without any guidance from from my father or from the, my savior. And I think that's what you were talking about earlier about like dioceses or, or churches being like the field hospitals. Sure. Well, the priests are the medics. Yeah, you know, no, they exactly. come in and help us out and repair us to be back holy with with God and full love. And I think there's there's two dangers in in the way we approach confession. Right on one hand, we look at it as a punishment. Right, mm-hmm. like I don't want to go because as we've talked about in here before, a lot of men have had you know not a great relationship with their fathers or you know with a, with some sort of authority figure in their life. But mainly, a lot of guys have father issues, and you know everything was was punishing and demanding and dictator type stuff and you know angry and and just all that and that's the memories men have of 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 their dad when they tried to fess up for something or Mm -hmm. when they tried to be truthful or when they wanted to just come and admit something to them and weren't always received with love right we weren't always received with love we were you know i remember my father i would come and say things and he would just kind of blow me off sometimes or he would really if i told him and was honest with him and so letting him find out later he would just Mm -hmm. blow up and like so there was a lot of those times where I'm sure he would regrets those things, but mm-hmm. and I'm sure a lot of fathers do, but because they they didn't they weren't given the good, proper way to love someone, good example, they didn't have yeah, the way to to, right. to extend that to to their son, mm-hmm. you know, to me, to any other man out there. But so we look at confession as punishment, like we look at okay, this is what it was like with my father on earth when I went, and so therefore, whether I realize it or not, that's how I look at confession with God. Like I'm going to go in there, and I'm basically going to, I'm going in to be punished, right? Like I'm going to the principal's office, mm-hmm. and that's not what it is. It's 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 a father that sits there waiting for you and longing for you to come and sit with him and tell him what's wrong in your life, which he already knows. But he waits for you because, again, he's not going to force you, right? He's not going to force you because that's not real love. Mm-hmm. He waits for you so that you can come to him and he can really tell you that everything's all right. But people struggle with that because they think, well, I'm going to be punished. And then the other end of it 
is the other side is well, I'm just going to treat you as a, as a, as a car wash, right? I feel dirty. Mm-hmm. I messed up. And we can fall into that trap, too, where, like, okay, I'm watching porn all the time, and I feel guilty when I watch porn or whatever your sin is. And so I want to feel better. I don't want to feel disgusting anymore. So I go in and I confess. But I'm not really confessing with the point of trying to actually amend and change my life. I just want to feel better in the moment. And then it becomes – it can become – it's a danger because it can become like, well, I can do what I want bad, and then I can go and get my get out of jail free card, mm-hmm. and that's almost like spitting in the face of the sacrament in, in front of the in the face of the gift, right? In, in the face of God Himself, is you. I don't ever want to tell somebody not to go to confession, but we need to be very wary and very careful about why we're going. Right. But the problem is, Victor, like a lot of people aren't going, and it's because they look at this as, like I said, that punishment that that you know this is just me going in there to be ashamed of myself again and to be told what I do wrong and all mm-hmm. those things. And that's not it. And in fact, the catechism says that the whole power of the sacrament of penance consists in restoring us to God's grace and joining with us with him in intimate friendship. Like that's catechism 1468. So a lot of times we can just... We let the devil's voice reign so supremely in our life, and he's just telling us and filling us these lies of who God is, who we are, that we're never any better than some of our sins, that God can't really love you know something broken and, and disheveled and nasty like us. And we start to believe that, and we start to make our own excuses as to why we're not going to go. But we have to fight that in our life, because if not, then we continue to stay in that. We continue to wallow in that pig pen and that, that sin and and we get disgusted with ourselves, and what happens when we get dis- disgusted with ourselves? We do, we become a burden to everyone else too, right? We're no good to anybody because all we can do is beat ourselves up, and we feel horrible about ourselves. So therefore, our natural human instinct is to make other people feel horrible too, mm-hmm. right? To just treat people the way that we want to treat ourselves, and we ruin relationships in our life. And so sometimes we can look at. We can look at confession as these these horrible things, but really the first thing it does is is it restores us to right relationship with God, right? And, and that's what we have to look at it like is, and so many men have to get out of their head is, well, I don't want God to know what I've done because he's going to punish me. And it's like, what do you mean? Like yeah. he, he, knows, he knew what you were going to do before he ever loved you into existence. And if that's the case, then he simply waits there for you. To, he was there when you did it. He knew you were going to do it before you were born. Mm-hmm. He was there when you did it, and now he waits to, for you to come to him so he can tell you it's okay. Mm-hmm. Because he doesn't want us wasting our life walling around in all the things that we're doing wrong because then our, our head is pointed down at us and our mistakes instead of up at him and the hope that he brings us. So we've got to continue to go to confession and realize that that's what it's for is to restore the relationship. But it's also a means to help fight back against the sin and the temptation in our life, and the catechism talks about it too. It says, indeed, regular confession of our venial sins. Now, people, you know, well, venial sins aren't a big deal. I go to Mass, and those are taken care of at the beginning of Mass, and indeed they are. But confession, if you're not going to confession on a regular basis, I mean, the Catechism says you should be at least be going once a year. Mm-hmm. But really, if we're being honest with ourselves, we need to go once or a couple times a month at yeah. minimum, right, so that we can continue to put this before God so that it doesn't have any time to take root in our life. But it says here again, to starting over, it says, indeed, regular confession of our venial sins helps us form our conscience. It helps us fight against evil tendencies, and it lets ourselves be healed by Christ and progress in the spiritual life, which is what we're supposed to do. We're not supposed to just be go, spend our life going, I'm just this slob of a person. I'm never going to be any better, and so I'll just sit here. No, we're supposed to progress in our spiritual life. We're supposed to 
form our conscience so that we're eventually going, you know what, I'm in this temptation and I don't have to do it. I can choose the other way and therefore not have to go to the sacrament of reconciliation because I've chosen rightly this time, at least for this one thing. And we start to take back control of our life again. But also, it helps us be healed and and to fight against those evil tendencies we move forward. And that's how we have to start looking at mm-hmm. confession, not as this this punishment thing like, oh, gosh, I messed up, and now i got to go fess up and be embarrassed and sit there in front of a priest and get read the riot act. That's not what it's about. It's about coming to the Lord and saying, I'm sorry, first of all, that I offended you. I'm sorry that I've once again stepped in a noose to offend myself. Mm -hmm. And if it has to do with anyone else, that you've offended them, your spouse or whoever else. That's what confession is, is a gift from a loving father to extend that mercy. And so many of us don't want to go get that mercy because we're afraid and we listen to the wrong voice in our life. Right. And what you you said right there, the gift of mercy um, is an amazing gift when you receive it correctly. You know, um, because I said receive it correctly because a lot of us may go to confession and not believe what... The priest says that your sins are forgiven, and then mm-hmm. we chew on that like old bubble gum without flavor. Yeah, thinking, yeah, he said that, but I, I still feel like I'm not worthy to receive that. You know, um, well, and you're not yeah, right. Well, as I'm saying, <laughs> but I'm, I, but you know, you, you know. You, we're not. But like I said, yeah. But what what you're doing, you're, you're offloading that that pressure, offloading that sin, but offloading that pain that you've carried around with sure. you for if years for some people, um, and and that's the gift of mercy is like I. F- I feel like a different person now. I feel as if I'm not dragging a persona of of what I thought negative about myself that other people may not have known, you know, and and I feel like I'm able to kind of breathe deeper, you know, and I think that is when when I come out of confession, mm-hmm. you know, I feel like I can breathe deeper. I feel like I can I can I can see who I'm supposed to be. Yeah. Through through leaving, you know, um, confession because it's like Again, this is what I'm supposed to be. This is what I'm supposed to, to become, is to be focused on on His will, not my own will. And know we talk about it all the time because we, we need constant remembering, reminding of of what is our will. Yeah. Is our will really lined up with God's will? If it's not, we need an adjustment. You know, we need to figure out. You know, our our will is for some people to be like um, a husband, yeah, a father. You know, not like we said before the the one that gets all the rewards at work. Sure. That's great. That's ambition's okay, but wrong ambition can also cause to isolation from loved ones and from families. Sure. And then we've had this conversation before, but and then also you may begin to choose the wrong path. Oh yeah. yeah. And that's and in that wrong path continues to take you further and further away from God, mm-hmm. right? And then you start believing that that, you know, uh, that the Lord is is tired of forgiving me. Like, he's just right. fed up. Like, Because we do that as humans, right? If you continue to hurt somebody, eventually a human being is going to go, like, I don't believe you anymore. Yeah. You continue to do it, right? You continue to hurt me, and so therefore I don't believe what you say. I don't believe you're sorry, and I'm done with you. And because of those experiences we have as humans, right, that's why we have to continue to experience God's mercy and grace so that we can continue to, to give mm-hmm. that mercy and grace to somebody else. But what happens is we start to believe, well, God can't forgive me either. Because how many times have I cried wolf? How many times have I said I was going to be different and I haven't mm-hmm. been? And and people in my life are tired of it. And, and maybe they've shunned me or pushed me away or just said I've had enough. And so we believe that the Lord for, like gets tired of forgiving us. But mm-hmm. Pope Francis says, you know, he said in one of his uh, encyclicals, 
He said, the Lord never tires of forgiving us. It is we who tire of asking for forgiveness. And that's really what happens. Like every time that I, I, I realize that I haven't been to confession in forever, it's not because God said the doors are closed, sorry, mm-hmm. come back in three months. It's because I'm sitting there going, I'm tired of going and, and I'm just tired of this. I'm tired of going and telling, I'm, I'm tired of failing. I'm tired of falling and having to apologize for it. That's really what mm-hmm. it is. But that's what life is. None of us are perfect, right? None of us are, are ever, we all fall short of the glory of God. But it's because of who God is, a loving father. He knows that. And he loves us in spite of it, right? Mm-hmm. He loves it in spite of our mistakes and the things that he knew we had when we were created. Mm-hmm. And he simply says, look, I love you. I want you to come close. Again, if Jacob does the most terrible thing in the world, I'm never going to quit loving him. I'm never going to say, like, get out of my life and I don't want anything to do with you. I mean, there'd be some things that maybe I would struggle with that he might do in his life or Caitlin or Allison, but but I will never quit chasing after them and never quit running after them to show them that I don't care what they've done. I care about them knowing that I love them in spite of it, right? And, and that's what God is and that's what this is. But and this is what confession is. It's like, so how many of us in our lives, we, we've made mistakes, we've messed up, and we think all I want is another chance. All I want to do is a, is a do-over. I want to start over. I want to do it again. Well, that's what confession is. And the catechism says that again. In, uh, this is in 1455. And it says, through such an admission, man looks squarely at the sins he is guilty of, takes responsibility for them, and thereby opens himself again, to God and to the communion of the church in order to make a new future possible, right? Like you want another chance, you want people to see you differently, then you have to go a different route. You can't keep stepping in the same trap and going, my bad. You have to do something different about it. And that's the thing is our sin, this is another important piece for those that go, well, I'm caught up in my own self. When we're caught up in our own self, we we continue to be that way. We have to look at confession from another lens, too. This isn't just about me. It's about becoming the person that the church needs me to be. Because another part of the of, of the catechism talks about when you commit sin, it's not just your sin. It's, it's also it hurts the church. It hurts mm-hmm. the body of Christ. And just like you and I were talking before the episode, Victor, you know, the reason that people used to die before there was medicine, you could get a thorn in one of your feet. And if, if there was no way to treat the infection, you died mm-hmm. from a prick in your finger, from a from a, a cut that today could be easily healed. But that's the same way when we allow sin to continue to permeate our life and we pull back, we go, well, I'm just going to turn away from God. I'm going to turn away from the church. I'm going to wallow in my own mistakes. When you do that, you hurt the body of Christ. Just like if you don't treat an infection, it has the opportunity to spread throughout all the members of your body into every one of your organs and then die. And, and the whole body dies. That's what happens when we we start to go, you know, my sin is greater than God. My sin is greater than the, than, than the body of Christ. This, my sin is the, the biggest thing about me and it becomes selfish and it becomes a detriment to the church because every one of us has a place that we're supposed to fit in a cog we're a cog in a wheel that is supposed to move the body of christ along and to further evangelization and bring more people to jesus and when we step out of that we allow ourselves to be pushed away from god by the by the lying ways of the devil then then the whole body is hurt by Mm -hmm. it and so it, when we think about confession, we can't just sit here and wallow in our own pity and our own disgust and I'm not going to be good to anybody or anything. Well, yeah, of course you're not going to be when you think about it that way. But when you allow the truth to come in, the voice of God, and maybe the voice of this podcast today, like our voices to preach to you and to call you back into that second of reconciliation, you see not only who God is and who he looks for you to be, but who the church needs you to be too. And so... 
I want to talk about that because so many people were moving, we're taking ourselves out of a state of grace and taking us in us and allowing ourselves to remain in a state of sin. And it's and it's a terrible place for all of us to be in. And I got to tell you, Victor, like you know, when I go and do these parish missions, one of the um, one of my favorite things to do if they have audio capabilities in the church or whatever is to play this particular song mm-hmm. by Stephanie Gratzinger. And I remember I was just listening to some Christian music, and one day it was like on on uh, Pandora or something was randomly playing Christian songs, and one day the song came on. It came on, and I literally stopped in my tracks and just started weeping because I, I felt the mercy the song talks mm-hmm. about, and it, it just it just it, it reeks of confession to me, right? I don't know if she's Catholic or not Catholic or whatever, but the the words of this song that the Lord gave her to sing just it reminds me of confession. And so, therefore, when I'm telling my story, you know, I'm telling this great, you know, hard, painful story of a life of of debauchery and and painfulness that I caused other people into this life of grace that the Lord has called me into because of His forgiveness and and His willingness to 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 give me another chance. And so. As we talked about in the beginning, like a lot of people are looking at this as like God's up there with his thumb waiting to press you down and to punish you and waiting for you to die so he can send you to hell for all the wrong things you've done in your life. But I just want to read through some of the lyrics of this song and talk about them in the last couple minutes here. Um, And it's a beautiful song. And again, if if nobody's ever heard, if you haven't heard this, like pause this episode or after it's over with, look up this song. Out, It's called Out of Hiding by Stephanie Gratzinger. Right, And so it's just amazing. So here we go in the first verse. It says, Come out of hiding. You're safe here with me. There's no need to cover what I already see. And I remember when I heard that line, I was like, oh, my gosh. Mm -hmm. Like, what are we talking about? Like, I don't want God to see what I've done. Or like Adam and Eve, when sin and shame and death came into the world, what did they do? They went and covered up and hid in the bushes, right? And so he's saying, come out of hiding. You're safe here with me. There's no need to cover what I already see. Like, I know. Mm-hmm. I know, like you're trying to hide something from me, but I know the pain. I know the disgust you have with yourself. I know you're sorry. I know you don't want to do those things. And so already in the first two lines of the song, it's it's telling you about who God's heart, who God is and where his heart is. He says, you've got your reasons, but I hold your peace, right? I understand you have your reasons for not wanting to come to me. And it's because of the way maybe you saw your father, these people, the way we talked about but you're looking for peace. You're looking for relief. You're looking for grace and mercy and love. And I hold that peace, right? I hold the peace. He said, you've been on lockdown and I hold the key. And what happens most of the time, Victor, when when we're refusing to go to confession, we're wallowing in that sin, we're voluntarily placing ourselves in a prison cell. And that's what that song is saying. There's, you've been on lockdown and you're trying to get out and you want a way out, but I hold the key. You can't get yourself out, right? You need me. And so... You know, that's just the first verse. And the chorus says this, because I loved you before you knew what was love. I saw it all, still I chose the cross. I mean, look how powerful that is. I saw everything that was ever going to happen in your life, all the bad things you were going to do, all the mistakes you were going to make, and still I chose the cross. I went to the cross for you, not just for everybody else, but for you. He said, you were the one that I was thinking of when I rose from the grave. Like, just... You, you were the one, not just everybody else, you individually. He said, now rid of the shackles, my victory is yours, right? My victory on the cross, that crucifix is right here behind us, Victor. That victory wasn't just Jesus. It was his to win, but he, he bestows it upon all of us. And he's saying, don't waste it, right? In this song, now rid of the shackles, my victory is yours, right? Because when I, when, when I rose from the grave, you were the one I was thinking of. But he says, now rid of the shackles, my victory is yours. I tore the veil for you to come close. 
Now, Victor, I know you're a scholar and and, a, and, a, and you love the Old Testament and those things. That's alluding to where the holiest of holies, right? There was a veil that separated people and only the priests could go in there. And when Jesus was crucified, uh, we hear in Scripture. And they had the rope in case they fell dead, they can pull them, drag them out. Yeah, they could drag yeah, them out. Right. Like you couldn't even go in the tent right. that, that stopped the holiest of holies. But then we know when Jesus, when he died, when he took his last breath, there was a great earthquake and a storm came mm-hmm. and, and the veil, it says the temple the, the temple began to crack and the veil was torn in half. And what, what Jesus is saying there is like, I tore the veil so you could come close. Like no longer is there this distance between us. And we see that in communion, first and foremost, right? In the Eucharist, like I'm bringing you close so I can give you my very body. But secondly, in communion, in confession. Right, like there's no distance between us. There's no mediator. I mean, there's a mediator in the body, you know, in, in the priest, of course, in the persona Christi. But like, I want you to draw near to me, so you see who I am, and you see the person of great love that I am, so that you don't have to carry around this mess mm-hmm. anymore. He said, "There's no reason." This is the next line. There's no reason to stand at a distance anymore. You're not far from home. And that's what God is saying to each and every one of us. is like you feel like you're so far away because the devil has made you feel and driven you so far away. But honestly, you're as close as you want to be to me. It's just the choice you have to make to look at me as who I truly am and not as some abandoning father and judgmental person that hates you, but someone who waits for you and has torn that veil so you can come close. Victor, that's just the first verse in the first course. What does that say to you? Oh, I mean, obviously the, the, the gift of mercy and his love is... Um, profoundly spoken in that because it's like no matter what you've done no matter who you think you are and how undeserving you believe yourself to be I'm still here I'm waiting for you to be present with me because I waited for you for your whole life and 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 that's kind of what that speaks to is that everyone that has been born from beginning to whenever that the, the last birth on earth whatever that is is so important to God yeah and anyone that denies him is painful to him as well yeah and, and and that's what we don't want to be we don't want to be the individuals that deny him we want to be the one that loves him and 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 I, I believe everyone listening everyone who really is out in the world doing the best they can is in the same way they they want to be loved but they don't they're not seeking the right way to be loved because they may not be aware of that yeah and and that's well, what they we feel do. they're not worthy of right it. feeling not worthy of it too so yeah and that's the thing like the thing is you're not worthy by your own means, but you're right. worthy because God says so. And that's what matters. That's yeah. the truth we have to preach to ourselves is it doesn't matter what you think about yourself. It matters that that there, that God wants to meet you in that place of reconciliation and mm-hmm. repentance anytime that you want, right? That's who he is. And so, I mean, I, I can't tell you how many times I played that that verse and that chorus over and over again in the car just because I need to hear it, right? Mm-hmm. And I, play, I played it four times on a bike ride today. I said, Siri, repeat that song because I wanted, as I rode the 10 miles, to just beat it into myself, that to remind myself of who God is. But it goes on in, in verse 2, and it says, I'll be your lighthouse when you're lost at sea. I will illuminate everything. There's no need to be frightened by intimacy. And man, mm-hmm. isn't that what we've been talking about this whole time? We don't feel that God wants intimacy with us. We feel as he's a drill sergeant or a cosmic police officer mm-hmm. or uh, uh, the principal at our school or a domineering football coach and somebody that's just there to to – to to dwell out like punishment and 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 right. discipline and all these things and that's not who God is. He says there's no need. She says in the song, there's no need to be frightened by intimacy. Mm-hmm. And again, that's an invitation from the Lord. Is like I want to be close to you. Right. I want to love you. 
right? And again, this is why the devil got so enraged and, and revolted against God because God created us. Let us make them in our image and likeness, right? And, and, he, and he, he raised us above the angels and everything else. And that's what made the devil mad. And so God is telling you again, like, look, I love you. I created you in your mind and I want you to know that. And so he says, just throw off your fear and come running to me. Right? Forget all the other stuff. Just all, all it takes is one little smidget of hope, of belief that God is who he says he is. And for you to take that one step to go running back to him. And you can find for all of you listening out there, the peace you're longing for, the love you're longing for, the mercy you're longing for, the love you haven't been able to find from your father or mother, the love you've never received from the people that you thought you should have in your life, the people that you should have in your life. God is standing there waiting to give you that very one thing that you're looking for. And he says it so beautifully through Stephanie in this song. And so as the bridge goes, it says, Oh, as you run, what hindered love will only become part of the story. And she sings that like 17 times over. But it goes, Oh, as you run, what hindered love will only become part of the story. And it's God again saying, Look, I know you're ashamed of this. I know right now you're, and probably the people in the car, you're probably thinking of this particular thing. And you're thinking, there's no way God can forgive me. I've had an abortion. I helped somebody with an abortion. I, I murdered someone. You know, I, I hurt somebody. I, you know, all these different things, terrible things that can happen in our life. You're sitting there going right now because I've done it. You know, you th- you say that, John, but God will never forgive me for this. Mm-hmm. And he's saying through Stephanie in this song, as you run back to me, what hindered love, what you think got in the way, will only become part of the story. Right? Our story is this long book of our life. And what that one thing is a paragraph, it's a sentence on a page in that book, in that chapter. It's not the whole story. And that's what she's trying to say here, what God's trying to say through her, is you're almost home. Just come to me. And so I'm sorry, folks, for running over a little bit from our normal time reading those lyrics. But I'm telling you, if you go and you sit and you're anybody right now that's struggling with 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 thinking you, you that you can't be forgiven, you're struggling with, with returning to God, Go download that song. Go look at it. Search it on Apple Music, whatever, Pandora, Spotify, and play it and sit there and say, God, speak to me through this song and listen to the words and know that it's a God that is speaking to you. So often we think that repentance and and reconciliation and forgiveness and mercy and love is for everybody else but us, right? For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son for everybody else but me. That's not the truth. Jesus would have done what he did if you were the only person who was in existence. And it's time for you to start believing that. So, Victor, I, I don't know why today, out of 300-something episodes, the Lord chose for me to go back to this. But I think this is one of those things in, in, in our faith that we're, that people are always going to struggle with until they just take that step. And sometimes that's what it is, right? Mm-hmm. When you rode a bike, when you wanted to ride a bike when you were a kid, you were scared to death for your dad to let his hand off the seat, right? I'm going to fall. I'm going to hurt myself. And maybe you did the first couple times. But if you eventually, with that courage, with that strength, you were must, able to muster up through him, you were able to take that ride. And then guess what happened? It was never as big of a deal again as you once thought it was because you were able to step through and you realized that all it was was an evil devil lying to you your whole life about God, who he was, and who you are. And you've been able to take that step and receive mm-hmm. his mercy, and you found nothing but peace and love from a, per- from a God who wants nothing but to show you that so that you can be the person he's called you to be. That's what confession is. For all of you out there that are struggling with it, it's God sitting there waiting for you saying, I'm not disgusted with you. I'm not, I don't hate you. I I want you to come to me because if you don't, then you're never going to really see who I am. And therefore you're never going to see who you are. And ultimately you're going to, as Victor said earlier, 
you're going to rip God's heart out because all he wants is for you to be in heaven with him forever. And if you don't understand this, and if you don't return to his mercy through his loving son, Jesus Christ, in that confessional, then there's a chance that you may never be with him forever, that you can be in a place that he wants none of us to go. That's who God is. That's what he's calling you to today. So if it's been forever, I don't care if it's been 25 years or if it's been 25 minutes, if you need to go to confession, then believe in God and what he wants from you. Listen to this podcast and listen and believe that it's this podcast was specifically made today for you. Because you cannot walk any further in your spiritual life. You cannot find that peace that your soul longs for without going to the one who is the author of peace, who is the author of forgiveness. So, brothers and sisters, if you're struggling and you want to end it, the power's in your hands. Run to the confessional. Call any priest you know and go right now and throw yourself on the mercy of God and see that it's not a judgmental, angry person that waits for you, but a loving Father. So, folks, thank you for listening to this. Yeah, I, I I need to go to confession myself after listening to this. <laughs> Victor, thank you for being a part of this. Thanks for sharing your heart with confession. And let's say, just take it to prayer. Let's take it to that loving Father and, and help Him guide us to the next step in this. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit, amen. Heavenly Father, so many of us struggle and find ourselves overpowered by our mistakes and our shame. The devil tries to use those mistakes to keep us from your grace and mercy. Help us to always remember that you desire us to come close so we can experience your forgiving grace in a relationship with you. And Father, whenever we find ourselves believing the lies of the evil one, remind us that you stand there ready and waiting to show us your never-ending forgiveness and love. In the name of the Father, Father, and the Son, and the the Holy Spirit, Spirit, amen. Thanks for listening to Just a Guy in the Pew. To find out more about John Edwards or have him come to speak to your parish, group, or conference, go to justaguyinthepew.com or send us an email at justaguyinthepew at gmail.com.